This podcast discusses topics of violence, such as rape, murder, and child abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Bad Egg Podcast. I'm your host, Bridget. Hi there. Um, guess I'm the co-host, Lucas. How are you, Bridget? I'm good. This is our second attempt at recording this because halfway through the other one, our internet somehow dropped. So we're starting. Again. That was halfway? <laughs> Not really, actually. It was like two minutes in. We have to start again. Love technological issues. Love uh-huh. it. Um, again, I'm going to apologize. I apologize on the two minute effort that we had there too. I'm going to apologize in this one as well, that if I sound bad, it's because COVID sucks and, uh, it sticks around for a while after it leaves. It really does. I still have a very tight chest. It's, it's frustrating. I feel like I need to keep coughing, but nothing's there. The gift that keeps giving. Right. Just stays. It lingers. Okay. So, um, what is on the docket today? I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to be all just blank to the whole experience. I just want to react blindly. Okay. 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 All right. I know nothing about this. No, you don't. Okay. So we're headed back to South Africa to tell a town called Welcome, which translates to welcome. Welcome South Africa. Yeah, pretty much just welcome. And Valcom, this is in 2011, Valcom is a mining town, so it's it's not very big, there's only a few thousand people, but it, yeah, it's mainly miners that are situated there. So that's where our story is going to start. It's um, miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, not miners, M-I-N-O-R-S, because they are miners mine. that mine for gold coal coal black gold yeah sorry go ahead anyways so no it's good you actually said that because i realized that my accent might seem miners miners all the miners are out there well at least you didn't say you have a minor fetish which could have been like (laughs) you just really like dudes in hard hats and then (laughs) you could have had another one and be like wait that means that she's you get the joke. Who did I marry? Yeah. Um, so we're going to be speaking about our victim called Michael van Eck today. Get a little bit of backstory about him, and then we're going to get into a very awful day for him. Michael van Eck? Van Eck, yes. Okay. So we're going to speak about Michael van Eck. Uh, Michael van Eck was the only son of Nars and Henriette van Eck. And that's a tongue twister. Nas? Nas. N-A-R-S? N-A-A-S. Nas. Okay. And Henriette van Eck. All right. So at the time, Michael was 23 years old, and he worked at one of the mines as an electrician. He was very family-orientated, very close with his mom and his dad. And about six months before his murder, Michael had broken up with his long-term girlfriend and first love. Which you can imagine at 23 when you have that first breakup. It's pretty awful. Uh, sure. You yeah. You have that? 
I I've had so many breakups before you. It's hard to keep track. But <laughs> uh, the first one I think came earlier for me. I think I was like eighteen or nineteen. That first gnarly one. Okay. Well, imagine at twenty three experiencing that first gnarly breakup with the love of your life. Gnarly. Sorry. Gnarly. They'd been dating for about a year. And after a year and a bit, they both mutually decided that they were going to end it. They had gotten to a crossroads in their relationship. Both of them wanted to take different paths in their life. So they kept fighting and they just decided they love each other. But the relationship they were in wasn't beneficial to either of them. It's a mutual breakup. Mutual breakup, which sometimes I think is harder, especially when you know that you both still love each other. It's just not working. So... Hmm. At this time, he had gone into the six months before the night of his disappearance. He was in quite a depressive De funk. Okay, he was depressed. Um, what year is this? Two thousand and eleven. Oh, so this is a more recent one. Mm -hmm. This is this is post internet. Post internet, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was easy to find a bit more information on this. Okay. Um, are we gonna be seeing our buddy Pete in this one? No, actually not. We're, we're not going to be seeing Pete in this. We're going to be dealing with another detective called Urchis Nell. Okay. Uh, not going to try to pronounce that. Uh, can I get away with calling him police officer Nell? Is there a lieutenant? Do you have rank? Do you have, what is, do you know what his rank is in the police sure. Oh my God. <laughs> What's the first name again? Urchis Nell. How could I know that? I am so sorry. I so, I totally put my bias on that. That's my 100% bad. Well, a little Urchis means eyes, and it's actually her nickname. Urchis? Urchis. Urchis. Am I saying that relatively close? Almost. It's almost like you're kind of getting that flimmer. Urchis? Urchis. Urchis. Yeah. Urchis. yeah. Okay. So um, is, does she have any kind of um, like connective tissue to Pete at all? No. Okay. So this is going to be a separated um, investigation from Pete, but we're going to be discussing some really cool people, well, detectives, not the perpetrators, some very cool detectives in this. So back to Michael, um, one of the other reasons he was feeling quite depressed was because now he's 23 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, he had just finished college. He was battling to find a full-time position which means he had to still rely a lot financially on his parents. And at 23, he felt that he needed to start creating, you know, a disconnect between himself and his mom and dad and to start creating his own financial independence. So he was going through a breakup. He was in the middle of finding um, internships. Freedom. Freedom. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what he wanted, you know. He wanted that old battle axe off his back and he wanted the parents and to be in the rear view mirror. He wanted freedom, baby. Pretty much, you know, mm -hmm. he wanted to be, you know, especially, and we find that here, especially with men, they really want to be the provider. And he wanted that. He well, wanted to be the provider a, for his family. Do you mean that's a cultural South African thing or? Yeah. Okay. It's a cultural, so that especially in the Afrikaans community, you know, the men provide. So I think when he was in this relationship where he wasn't financially stable, he wasn't able to have any provide, he was still stuck at his parents' house. I don't think he felt that he, he probably didn't feel himself. He probably, you know, I can't talk because I'm not a guy, but I can understand that he probably felt that he, 
if he wanted to get into a serious relationship, he needed to first become successful, have I, okay. a good financial basis mm-hmm. and go from there. So about a month before the night of his disappearance, he actually landed a permanent position at a as an electrician at a mine. He'd done really well in his internship and he started earning way above the average pay in South Africa. He was earning about 17,900 Rand, which in US dollars is maybe a thousand per month. But if you take into consideration that this was his first job, for us, that's, that's a pretty good paycheck. It's pretty good. Our living is a bit cheaper over there. A so bit? For 23 years old, Earning 17000 a month, he did really well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't hear. Did you ask a question? That's okay. Okay. Anyways, so Michael was the golden boy. He was the only son with four sisters, and he lived a very sheltered but free life. In As they described him, he was the heart of their family. So on the night of his disappearance on April 2nd, 2011, he was having dinner with his parents. And they were quite concerned because he wasn't very chatty as he normally was. But he did mention that he was meeting a girl for movies and a milkshake. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He wasn't a big drinker or smoker, so he very rarely went out to clubs. So Henry and his mom didn't really pry. She was more excited that after all of this months of depression that he was finally living his life, going out and meeting someone and potentially going on a new date. Mm. Would you take someone for milkshakes? Uh, it's been how long since he broke up with a girlfriend? Uh, about six months. And they dated for a year? Yeah. Yeah, it's totally appropriate. It's about fair, right? So he told his mom he was going to be going to a neighboring city called St. Helena, which I tried to do some research on how far away it was, but it kept linking me to St. Helena Bay which is a 12-hour drive, and I knew that that was definitely... You're looking for the distances between what? Valcom and St. Helena. Okay. H-E-L-E-N-A. But whatever kept popping up in South Africa uh, was St. Helena Bay close to Neisner, so it was like a 11, 12-hour drive, and I, I knew that definitely wasn't the place. How do you spell Valcom again? Uh, W-E-L-K-O-M. K-O-M. Yeah, Lucas is quickly going to double check it to make sure I got it all. Yeah, right. this isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting, uh, it's routing me from, um, it might be the St. Helen area in Washington. Shout out to Washington. That's where my mom's family mm-hmm. resides. I doubt they're going to be listening to this. And if they do, I apologize about the language. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't, I don't have it either. Yeah, it was. I think it's one of those very small towns on the outskirts of Valcom that doesn't always, when you're not in South Africa, it's hard to pop up on Would, Do you have like a guess as to how far away these places are from each other? If I had a guess, because his mom didn't seem too, too concerned about where he was driving, potentially 20 minutes. Oh, that's it? Yeah, I don't think it was a very far drive. So around 9 p.m., he got into his gray silver 207 Peugeot. What is that? It's a type of car. I don't I'm I got that, but I mean like what is that? Is that like a bucky or as you call it a truck? Or wait, sorry, you call it a bucky, we call it a truck. You don't know what kind of vehicle that is? A hatchback? 
What is it again? A Peugeot 207. Oh, a Peugeot. Yeah. Okay. The, <laughs> they're, French, they're, they're French cars. Yes. Gotcha. They were very popular during this time, the Peugeots. Okay. So the last thing his mom said to him was be safe. And he said, I'll see you later. Um, Quick circle back. Mm -hmm. It looks like the distance might be about 99 miles between the two. 99 miles. That's what it says. It could uh, be about 20, 30, Driving 30. distance between St. Helena, Velkom, South Africa, and Velkom, South Africa is calculated by Google Maps at uh, 99 miles. So is St. Helena part of a province of Velkom? It says in here it's a neighboring city. Oh, I don't, then I don't know. Yeah, it, it must just be one of those really small ones on the map that I was unable to get the exact distance. But like I said, I don't think it would have been too far mm -hmm. because I think his mom would have been more concerned if he was going a very far away at 9 p.m. to meet a girl. It says here St. Helena is an island. Am I wrong about this? Yeah, because Valcom's a, it's a city in the center. It's land-based. Oh, it's giving me St. Helena Bay also as yeah. the other option. I'm sorry. We're really sorry, digging in with okay. this. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so the last thing he said to his mom was, I'll see you later. Hmm. When Michael left, he turned right, which his mom thought was very odd, as St. Helena was on the left-hand side. However, she shrugged it off and thought maybe he was just going in a different direction. But earlier that day, just as he was finishing his shift at the mine, he had told his supervisor that he was meeting a girl that he'd met two days earlier online. The app was called To Go. It was in South African online brand i i've never used this so i can't even tell you what is it like tinder no i think it, it's like grinder no i don't even think it's an app i think it's uh we used to have like these chats almost like whatsapp i don't know if you guys had mix it no I don't know. i've never heard of yeah, that it's pretty much it's um it's an online chat base that you can go onto and you're not swiping left or right on people, but profile names will pop up and you can just add people and chat to them like chat oh. rooms. Uh, do you, you can find them probably out of like proximity or something like that or. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So that's where it sounded like they met. And I was in South Africa at this time, never heard of it. So I was like, okay, this must be what the youngsters at the time were using. So, um, yeah, so he had told his supervisor that he was meeting a girl he'd met two days earlier oh, yeah. mm -hmm. at a graveyard. Wait. Okay. <clears throat> he's on the rebound, mm -hmm. and he's meeting a girl in a graveyard. Yeah. All so right. The same expression you have right now, I think, was the same expression his supervisor had because he advised Michael that that was a very bad idea. He says that you know, you're not, you shouldn't be meeting people in graveyards. It's well, he had already, he'd already been on a date with this woman, right? No, he'd only met her two days before online. Oh, so this is a first meeting. Yeah. Yeah, this is not great decision making on Michael's behalf. At a graveyard, yeah. So when the supervisor said, look, man, that's, that's not a good idea. Michael had been worried about it. So I think when the supervisor said, yeah, 
he agreed. He was like, okay, yeah, you're right. It's a bad idea. And because he thought that after that, Michael had understood it was a bad idea, that he wasn't going to follow through with it. But Michael was thinking with other heads. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, on April 3rd, 2011, mm -hmm. on the Sunday, Daniel, a foreman at the Volcom Cemetery, was pushing a lawnmower towards the boom when he when he made the find and called his supervisor Abraham. What the what the what what's a boom? Um, what do you guys call it? It's like a yellow pole that blocks entrances. A boom. You mean like a security arm? Yeah, we call it a boom. Okay, well you gotta yeah. That's definitely not so. So you want to? Okay, let's try that again with that in place. So, okay. so on April third, two thousand eleven, Daniel, uh -huh. a foreman at the Volcom Cemetery, was pushing the lawnmower towards the security arm mm -hmm. in South Africa, the boom, when he made it this find and called his supervisor Abraham. Okay. At the same time, well, actually, about an hour earlier. The Volcom police station received a call about an abandoned gray silver Peugeot. Which we now know is a French car. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we also know that Michael was driving a gray silver 207 Peugeot. Okay. Which had been left at a taxi rank. I think we discussed in Bongani Mafeki what a taxi rank Just was. Just do it again. Got to explain it again. So the taxi rank is almost like a central bus station, but for minivans. Okay, so there is a taxi hub that's near the cemetery or in the cemetery? It's about 15 minutes from the cemetery. Okay, so what was that last these, bit? Of these two are going to link in a minute. Okay. So an hour earlier, mm -hmm. before the foreman had made a discovery and called a supervisor, mm -hmm. the Vulcan police had received a call about an abandoned gray silver 207 Peugeot which had been left at the taxi rank, which was unlocked and keys in the ignition. Okay, so Michael went to the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Question mark happened so far. Mm -hmm. And his car ends up 15 miles or 15 minutes away at the taxi rank or the... Taxi hub. Sure, the taxi hub. And it's abandoned with the keys in it. Yes. Okay. So while that is happening at the cemetery, Ab Abraham seems a large, fresh pool of blood, which is seeping into the tawny sand that it's been covered in. And tawny the, sand? Tawny, like the that tawny, like that light brown color. So you can imagine that clash of that light brown sand with that dark red mm -hmm. blood. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not a common, I don't think I've heard that before. Oh, okay. Tawny sand. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pro I'm probably showing my ignorance here, but I, I just, I don't I didn't know what that was. So sorry. Or we're learning how different, how we describe things differently. Cultural lesson at the same time. Anyways. <laughs> All Abraham could think was someone bled out there like an animal. Okay. It was so it was a lot of blood, not like a, just a small pool. Yeah, a lot of blood. He saw bloody smears leading up onto the tarred driveway of the graveyard. It looked like splashes of blood on the stone paving and grass in the middle of a patch. 
they found a torn, blood-soaked rag that had lain discarded. Daniel, the foreman, had leaned to pick it up, and Abraham yelled at him to leave it. Why the fuck is he there? Because that's where they work. They're finding all this at the same time. So while the car has been called in... Oh, Daniel is the foreman at the cemetery. At the cemetery. What was his supervisor's name? Abraham. No, 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 no. At the mine, the one that advised him to not go. I don't have that there. So okay, that's what I was confused with for a second. I got I got caught up. Okay, no, so okay. as he's at the cemetery, he finds all... This is a cemetery worker. He finds the blood, the huge blood pattern and spotting and all that stuff. Yeah, and he's calling his supervisor, Abraham, who now both of them are walking around the grave, the grave site, mm-hmm. finding this trail of blood, which okay. is being left along grass, stones... And it's not just in one area. They're starting to notice it's... What about sand? I don't understand where the sand comes from. That was at the entrance because they were at the security arm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it starts the security arm. Is this a beach community? No. Okay. It's just that gravel sand. Okay. Okay. So it starts the security arm. They're seeing a large pool of blood there. Mm-hmm. And as they start looking around, they start noticing that this blood is starting to leave a trail. Into the cemetery. Into the cemetery. They're starting to see it on stone walls, on gravestones. And at the same time, they find a blue soaked rag that's been lying on the ground. Okay, so he was either killed and dragged or he was dying and bleeding out Mm -hmm. and bleeding over everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Daniel, the foreman, wanted to lean over to pick up the rag, but Abraham stopped him because Mm -hmm. he knew that this was going to be a crime scene. So right. he's like, don't, don't touch yeah, it's, anything. Yeah, it's at live evidence. Yes. So at this point, he wandered to the left side of the, tra- of the chapel where he discovered more blood. At this point, Abraham is starting to panic because he's realizing that this is something very serious. And before he can even gather his thoughts to, to call the manager of the whole cemetery, a car starts... They can hear a car screeching down the road, pulling up into the parking lot of the graveyard. And an older lady and a younger girl get out the car and they start running towards him. So these were the fun ex. And when they had... His family? His family. Okay. So what happened was when they had woken up that morning, they had woken up to two policemen at the door. Because on the same time, but in separate parts of Volcom, the police had gotten a call about this car. Once they went to investigate it, they found out it belonged to Michael Fennick. So they were at their house asking, you know, hey, you know, we've got this abandoned car. It belongs to your son. Where is your son? I got to say, this sounds like bad police work. It does. I'm going to... They at one point erased two people just because they were around the car. Well, with, for this, it sounds like they brought the family into hysterics and then didn't close off the, the crime scene. You're like reading. Did you read the story? Because mm-hmm. as it goes on, you'll see that they're very involved and it's very hard to control, which I can also understand as a mom. You know, she was very close to her son, but it became very hard to control the mom and the dad. They just push through. And I also kind of understand because while the police are at their house questioning about where Michael is, two other policemen are taking in two 
not even suspects. They would just happen to be in the area around the car being curious. Yeah, the taxi. Yeah, they were drunk, inebriated. They had seen the car. So obviously they saw a crime of opportunity. They tried to steal it. When the police then pulled them uh, in. It's still a crime. It's still a crime. So they were still arrested for the crime. But then the mm. police, without any evidence, without even just jumped like, you killed this guy. Like, where is the body? And these two drunk guys are just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I just found a car and I'm drunk and it it's just a bad in it. Yeah, it it's on. just bad timing. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to take a break and uh, we'll come back in a second. Uh, sorry, we're back. Uh, I had to take a quick pause. Um, had a coughing fit. Uh, that is my bad. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. I hope you're feeling better. Me too. So... <laughs> So at this point, when the Fun X woke up, the police were outside and they were asking about the abandoned car that they had seen. They hadn't heard Michael come home the night before, but they were, he was also already meant to be at work. So they weren't too worried because they knew he went out. He probably came home while they were sleeping. They had to get up early and go to work. Okay. So at this point, they called his supervisor to make sure that he was there. His supervisor said he hadn't arrived at work that morning. Mm. So now you can imagine everyone starting to panic. Well, yeah, we, we don't take offense to this. Um, we've established there's a blood. We've established that he's not at home. Mm -hmm. So what happened to him? We're going to get there. Okay. In a few minutes. There's blood. There's family members contaminating the scene. There's a, I mean, there's there's obviously something happened. And we're talking about this man in the past tense. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming he's probably not with us anymore. Unfortunately. So. So the supervisor gave that little bit of information, which was a complete game changer in this case. He had mentioned to the fun ex and the police that he had told Michael had told him the day before that he was going to a cemetery to meet a girl. It was at this point that Henrietta didn't hesitate. She got in a car and she drove straight to the graveyard. Oh my God. So this is where Abraham and Henriette finally meet. Well, hang on. If this was your son, or sorry, if this is your cat, because we don't have kids. <laughs> if this was your son, it's a terrible joke to make. I'm sorry. This is someone's life. But uh, if this was your son, would you have done the same? Uh, probably, but I would have. I would have probably been like getting in the cops' car and being like, "Let's all go to the cemetery." But I can also understand that in that particular moment, I, I can't imagine what that must feel like when you found out that your kid's car has been found abandoned. Your supervisor, the, his supervisor, tells you that he was going on a date with a girl at a graveyard. You figure out he lied to you. Were the the mom and the dad, were they also, like, in the mining community? His dad was. Okay, what about the mom? Mom was a stay-at-home mom. Okay, so not much of um, That's formal education, kind of, you know, she's probably operating on a lot of emotion is mm -hmm. what I would uh, assume. And I don't mean to make that sound like it's a judgmental thing either. I'm just kind of painting a picture of her. Mm. And because her and Michael were so close, mm -hmm. this, you know, this really sent her into a panic. Okay. Michael being the, 
the glue of the family, they were inseparable. Were there other kids? Four other daughters. That's why Michael meant He's so special. much to her. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was the son. They And he was also, the, I think, the youngest. So they grew up really close. And he told his mom everything. There wasn't anything that he didn't talk to her about. So this is also when she found out that he lied to her. Mm-hmm. She got even more worried because it was out of character for him. Like what, what, in, what, what made him want to lie? I mean, he's going to a graveyard. Yeah. He's going to go shag a chick in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. So I said shag. Wow. I know. Is that, do, do, well, no, but do they use that in South Africa too? So, no. Okay. Close oh, enough. Shit. You were close enough. Yeah. I tried. Okay. So because of this, they drove straight to the graveyard. Henriette jumps out. I think we just got mortared at the library. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. It's okay. Henriette jumps out of the car in the graveyard. She's running towards Abraham and she's screaming for her son. Michael, Michael, she's crying. Well, at least you got the name right. Imagine, Imagine how embarrassing that would be if you came out of the car and you were crying about your son's name and you got the name wrong. Sorry, it's a terrible <laughs> joke. You thought of. My mom gets my name wrong all the time. So That's like so true. if like I was missing or something and she showed the crime she was just like, Steven, Steven, oh wait, no, Lucas, sorry. That would have <laughs> sorry, that was the In all fairness, my mom gets my name mixed up with my, my mom gets my name wrong all the time. So Love you mom. <laughs> Abraham and Henriette finally meet, and she says, I'm looking for my son, Michael. And Abraham's kind of, you know, he's like, I mean, I don't know who Michael is. Is it bad for me to, like, I, if I, again, I know this was a human being, so like, Abraham would be like, well, he's kind of like all over the place, if you think about it. Is that terrible to say? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, they don't know if he is or isn't yet. Like, remember, this is all. That's my. That's that's my morbid sense of humor. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. So, those who don't know, Lucas, when he gets very uncomfortable, tends to make jokes to make himself feel better. And I can tell the story is making him slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, I kind of don't think that's gonna take anyone by surprise at this <laughs> point. But go ahead. Joking is Lucas's... uh, Defense mechanism. Yes. So, he told her that he had no idea what transpired, but he suspected that they'd walked into a crime scene as they came to work. Suspected? Suspected. Because remember, right now, they've just just found blood in a rag. But it's everywhere, right? Isn't it like at the entrance and it leads in? It's all over like tombstones and stuff? Yeah. But, you know, same as any law enforcement without a body, it's very hard. Yeah, it could have been a blood transfusion that went wrong. Yeah. It's a joke. Okay. Sorry. No, I was waiting for you to get to, like what? you're like putting your head right back into the you're like, yeah, totally could have been. Whatever. Like that was such like a let's get back to it look on your face. I love it. Obviously didn't realize what you said. Or like, wait, what? Or there's South African vampires. Or uh he was giving blood. Well, I guess it's kind of like the transfusion thing again, but um yeah, right now it's all question marks. Yeah. So all he said to all Abraham said to Henry was like, there's a lot of blood. And mid-sentence, he could see her face freeze. And she had noticed the blood soaked rag on the ground. She ran to it and she said, It's Michael's. She explained. 
as she fell to her knees and held his bloody t-shirt to her chest. Okay. Now, no one else that's listening to this can see what I'm seeing. So, um, I'm across the table from Bridget. I see her notes. And it looks like we're getting close to the end of these notes. Is that Was that a fair assessment? Kind of. God damn it. Is this a, is this a cliffhanger? It's going to be a cliffhanger. This most likely will be a three-part episode. No. As God. once we get into this, it is... We're not in it already? So you're going to... No, this is just the beginning. The beginning? Well, yeah, because we haven't even found a body yet. No, and we, it, it gets worse. So I've just... This is where we're leaving this? No, not yet. Okay. We still have quite a bit of the story to go until we end Today. one. Yes. Okay, okay. Okay. So I was wrong in my assessment that we're not that close to the end. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So at this point, the police have just arrived after Henriette and they decide to shut the graveyard down. They've got tapes up and they start to call in specialists because the local police are finding the same... Um, are pretty much just finding blood. Even Henriette ran into the graveyard trying to find anything she could find of her son. She at one point stops by these pine trees and she stops for a few minutes and all she she can just sense that something's wrong. But this is when the police arrive and they're like, look, you got to rain it back. We have to, we have to seal this area off. Um, the rag they found, do they know what it's from? It's a t-shirt. Okay. His yeah, so they found his T-shirt. This is when they knew that this this even if we're not sure what happened, but this is definitely where it started. Okay. So. Is there blood on it? Yes. Okay. Blood soaked. Blood soaked T-shirt. Yes. Right. Do you know how big? Uh, I have it's a full T-shirt. I have the pictures. Oh, it's just a T-shirt. The whole thing a is a T-shirt. Okay. Yeah, I think just when they was found because they didn't mm -hmm. pick it up, it looked like a blue rag. But when Henriette saw it, she knew that was the shirt he was wearing when he left. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. That's how she can identify. That's why I was asking. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, they decide to cordon off the whole crime, uh, the whole graveyard, declare it a crime scene, and they decide to call in a specialist. So at this point, they decided to call in a veteran policeman warrant officer called Farney Duplessis from the canine unit. So him and his Canadian white shepherd called Xander went on their way to the Vulcan graveyard. Okay. So the reason they called in the canine unit was they were unable to find anything. So they were under the impression that if there was a crime scene there, that the body would be underground, considering it's a graveyard. There was no disturbed ground? No. Um, and Abraham had actually gone around because there were open graves. You know, they always have a few open. Oh, Jesus. And he checked them all, but nothing was inside these graves. So they just felt that maybe <laughs> someone had, mm -hmm. but they weren't sure where because they couldn't find, like, like you said, any undisturbed earth. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. They couldn't find any disturbed earth is what you mean. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So Duplessis took a moment to familiarize himself with the surroundings and he had observed a large pool of blood, the color of which had now turned brown. Some drag marks, splatters and smears of blood of a blood struggle 
which potentially showed what took place that night. So when it came to his dog, Xander, there was two um, words that he used. One was sook, which means search. And normally, Lucas is giggling at the way I say sook. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> normally, whenever he'll give the command sook, it means that they're looking for a missing person. Mm -hmm. So it means search. Then there's kray. Which oh, so these are Afrikaans words. Yes. Okay. Which these mean fine. And um, the dog, like Michael, was Afrikaans. So all of its commands were said to him in Afrikaans. Because of the amount of blood that they had found, unfortunately, Duplessis felt that they weren't looking for a missing person, that they were looking for a body. So he gave the command, Kray. Kray. Yeah, for Zander. And against the wind, Zander set off towards the outskirts of the graveyard. Because he was so task-driven now, he picked up speed along the worn double tracked and uh, the double tracks were frequented a lot by visit visitors so this um i forgot to mention this this graveyard also had a jewish burial site so we had quite a few different religions that were placed in this in this graveyard uh -huh. so at this point he's going past the jewish burial sites excuse me for a second <clears throat> i'm so sorry so do you remember earlier I said that Michael's mom had stopped by some pine trees and she lingered there for a minute saying that something didn't feel right? Uh-huh. It was at this particular spot that as Zander approached it, he picked up momentum. He grew increasingly anxious as he uh, reached the boundaries and he let, uh, because of that, he let Zander run free. Once he got to these pine trees, he stopped stood abruptly still and he'd found his target in less than 10 minutes. Okay. Um, okay. So there's a cemetery that's got different religions and stuff involved in it, which is not that uncommon, but I don't understand. There's just trees there. Yeah. I think on the outskirts, like if you look along the way I pictured it, I could be wrong. You don't have photos of what this place looks like? No. Okay. Um, there, there are a few, but it's up close, like off the ground, but it looks like it's filled with like long grass and trees that, that cover along the outskirts of it. Okay. So this is the outer boundaries <clears throat> of the cemetery. Yes. Okay. And it was I'm going to take a quick drink of water. Sorry. It was at this point during where those pine trees were the same place that Henrietta had stopped did Zander the dog stop and he started pawing at the ground okay so they figured out that they found his grave so he's got uh scent yes the grave site wasn't very deep and what they had done is they had the two perpetrators hint there's two the two perpetrators had dug a very shallow grave and had covered it with leaves. That's why when Henriette was standing there, she never saw his body. Whoa, hang on a second here. You're going <clears> to <throat> tell me that the person he was meeting up with in the cemetery on a first date wasn't who they said they were? It was, but they brought someone with them. Oh, man. I was going for comedy there, but... Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I should have said they weren't going to be very mm -hmm. forthright. That's That should have been the better thing to say. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously not that surprising considering the fact that Michael's dead. Yeah. Okay, so I don't want spoilers yet, mm -hmm. but 
You gave one. You said it's two people. Yes. Um. Do are they been ID'd? Is yes. this a is this a is this case closed? Yes. Okay, that's really all I needed to know. Okay, yeah. that's all I want to know right now. Okay. Okay. But yes, it's been closed. Okay. So this particular graveyard, as I said, was pretty shallow. There were leaves covering it, which is why when Henriette was standing there and everyone else in the graveyard, they didn't decide to look obviously underneath the leaves. If they had, they wouldn't have had to look very far to find a very shocking crime scene. This particular crime scene shocked even the most hardened police officers and it was difficult to make sense of the scene unfolding before them. Wait a second. Um, before we get into the grisly details, are we getting grisly details in this episode? Mm -hmm. Um, don't, don't do that trigger warning thing. Just say it. Just, okay. just let it rip. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. okay. Let's hear it. Cool. They found a dead man's blood soaked blue jeans that had been placed on top of his torso. He was naked, dismembered and decapitated body of a young adult male gradually started emerging in front of them. Whoa. Okay. Dismembered? Dismembered. And decapitated? Yes. So they cut off his limbs and his head? Yes. Okay. So the head, <clears throat> entire right arm and hand and left foot were missing. Both legs had been amputated at the knee and visible pink patches on the victim's back confirmed that liver mortis had set in. Liver mortis or rigor mortis? Liver mortis. So liver mortis, what that is, is when your body is laying down and you're not circulating your blood anymore, your blood starts to pool in, in the position that your body is closest to the ground. So a lot of times you can tell when a body has been moved because of the liver mortis marks. So it leaves these pink patches. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So in this case, they knew that that is where he had been left and he hadn't been moved after that because his liver mortis had been set, as they said, uh, along his back. So he'd been lying on his back. So yeah, all the blood pools and it creates these pink patches. Okay, so he's, his head is missing, his right arm is missing, mm -hmm. and what else? Both, so the head, entire right arm and hand, and left foot were missing. The left foot. And both legs had been amputated at the knee. So, so you have a leg there, but without a foot, and then you have another leg that's been amputated the same way that does have a foot. Yes. So missing is the left foot, all the right arm, including the hand, and the head. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason that you get for this? Yes, I do get the reason. My God, this is so strange. So now that they have confirmed that they do have a young adult male, it's obviously very difficult to tell if it's the body of Michael van Eck as it's headless. Come on. I know. But, you know, right. police have to do their work. So at this point, the police decided it was way too traumatic for the family to see this grave. Yeah. So. Well, you mean to see the the site? The site, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's not to in see the, grave, the site. Right? It yeah. was. Yeah. Then the crime scene, mm -hmm. not the grave. The grave is where they're buried. True. Okay. But I think they called it a grave in the book because he had technically been buried. Okay, so there was he. I thought he was just underneath leaves. It was a very 
small grave. Like they, oh, they dug him a grave and then they try to cover it up with like leaves and shit. Yeah, they hadn't dug it very deep. Okay. You'll see um, as we get into part two, they were, they were prepared, but not very prepared. The police? No, the perpetrators when it came to digging the grave. As, this is so I if you're trying to get away with a murder mm -hmm. by burying someone, I mean doing it in a graveyard would almost kind of make sense. But why would you half ass it? Why would I don't if I if I was in a graveyard, uh I this is the first time I've thought about this, so don't anyone try to connect any dots here that are not there, but I've, it would kind of make you you would try to bury him on top or underneath someone that's about to go in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Not like off on the outskirts and then just dig a shallow one and leave. And like, yeah, that gravesite's always been there. You know what I mean, I don't feel like they're really doing a good job at covering the tracks. Is what I'm trying to say. So, anyways, let's keep going. No, you're 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 right. You know that's why the first place they decided <clears throat> to look at was at the empty graves that had already been dug out. Oh, and because there's no one in there. Mm -hmm. I thought the same thing. I thought that's a, it's, it's a clever place to bury someone, but you're right. They definitely half-assed And as we get into part two, you can tell, I don't really think they cared that they got caught. Well, that's usually the way things go awry for a lot of people is complacency. Yeah. So... As the Funnicks were approached by the police, they could tell the office had discovered something, but they weren't very forthcoming with the information. You can obviously understand why. We and, found most of your child is kind of like what they don't want to be saying to these parents. And they're also not sure. Right. You know, even though everything's the circumstantial evidence is leave, leading them to that it is Michael, it's very hard to confirm it just by looking. Sure. However, Henriette asks, what did you find? Is it Michael? And the police say, we're not sure whether it's your son. We're, like, we're so sorry. We're not sure. And at this point, Nas Vanek is growing exceptionally agitated. He just wants to know what happened. So he pushed past the police officers. He says, I'm coming with you. You have to show me. I want to see what you found. Oh, God, this is such bad police work. Well, they allowed him to go through to see the body and Nas said he didn't need a face to know. He could tell by the subtle dark hairs, the light skin tone, the foot that they found and the, and the fingernails in one hand that he could confirm that that was his son. And all he said back was, yes, this is my child. As he turned around and walked back out the crime scene to his family. Did he touch anything? No, he didn't. He just looked. And like he said, he's like, you know your kids. He's like, I knew that was my son. And he walked off and he walked back towards his family. That's so morbid. Yeah. So Duplessis was adamant that they would not find the rest of Michael's body at the crime scene. Um, they had set Zanderat to go observe a bit more and he's just kept coming back to that particular site. So they were certain the rest of his body was not going to be there. Are they right? Yes. Okay. And that is where we're going to end our story today. Son of a bitch. <laughs> okay. So recapping. Uh, 
Michael meets a girl online, kind of tells people that he's going to do it. They tell him not to. He goes anyways. Um, he's murdered. He is uh, decapitated and dismembered. And his right arm, left foot, and head are missing. Mm -hmm. And the dad pushed through the police to identify the body. Um, and the police officers are not sure that they're going to find the parts they need to identify him at the crime scene. Yes. It's a very uplifting way to spend a Sunday, Bridget. Sorry. <clears throat> but, yeah, so you can see in part two, even though we've found parts of Michael, concluding and, and finding the rest is going to be exceptionally difficult for police. So when, are, when are we doing part two? We're going to do it next weekend. So you have to wait a whole week to figure out what happens to, to Michael. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay, so we're going to Orlando um, Wednesday. Yeah. Because someone's birthday is on Thursday. It's his. Uh, he doesn't need to be named. <laughs> um, maybe we could do one. No, we couldn't. Uh, we're not going to have time to do one. No, unfortunately not. So Saturday? Yeah, we can okay. make on Saturday, but then it will still only be aired on Monday. So this is concluding part one of a potentially part three episode. I will try and make it two parts, but there is a lot to uncover in this uh, particular. Sick. Yeah, it's uh, it's gnarly. It gets worse. Cool. Um, I mean, not cool for Michael. Uh, sorry that, you know, he's no longer with us. Um I'd just like to know that there's justice, but like, you know, just not always going to be. So um, I guess I'll have to wait to see if there's a good ending uh, when we get there. Well, as you said, it is closed. Um, so you I don't need to tell me. No, 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 no. no. I, that's all I'm going to say. It is closed. Mm -hmm. And I think justice was served in the best way it could have been. You, I just, just said, no, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know anything. It's still a twist. Okay. All right. So that's it for today. Um, thank everyone for listening. Um, Don't be a bad egg. Yeah, there was the tagline. I was about to ask <laughs> you. What the, and then we're going to crack the egg and there's going to be sizzling at some point. I was thinking about that, though. Do you really think a bad egg would sizzle? I think it would just stink. How do I? So you want to crack the egg and then someone go, oof. Don't be a bad egg. That's actually genius. <laughs> oof. I could always fart. Oh, no. Get, you know, just for the authentic, oof, to get it out of you. That's, that's true. You know what I mean? Um, not to, I'm stopping while I'm ahead. I'm, again, sorry for my sick body being not 100%, and my mind is probably not the best either. Um, and uh, thank anyone for listening because I know I probably sound gross. Yeah, thanks, guys. I know our sound is hopefully going to get better. We recorded the library, and today we're in a bigger room. But hopefully, as time goes on, we can afford to make our own little studio in our apartment one day with soundproof. We're getting there, slowly getting there. but surely. Okay, thank you guys. Have a good one. Don't be a bad egg. Bye.